Just a quick moment to thank today's sponsor, which is us. <laughs> if you are listening to this episode on May 19th, today is the last day of the Approachable Birthday Sale. Go to www.approachablepodcast.com to get your Approachable Original Hoodie 25% off. That's approachablepodcast.com. Get your Approachable Original Hoodie 25% off. Sale ends today at midnight. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Sam. Are you ready for today? I am ready, yeah. Are you fired up? I'm, yeah, I'm, I am a little fired up, I'll be honest. I'm a little fired up, too. Okay. <laughs> Stuck at the office or traffic jam. Time to take it easy with Alyssa and Sam. Is that show you know? A So today we're going to be talking about um, kind of the overarching theme is like celebrity responsibility and do celebrities have responsibility to their audience um, in terms of like how they behave, how they, you know, speak about issues, speak about issues, show themselves on social media, et cetera. Yeah. Um, kind of what spearheaded this <laughs> was the uh, new Demi Lovato documentary that was on YouTube. Um, there's just like spoiler alert across the board you're basically probably not gonna have to watch it (laughs) after listening to this um and uh and also a trigger warning as well because that that documentary alone basically touches on like every issue that could possibly be triggering yeah like eating disorders um substance abuse sexual assault body image body image yeah um uh suicide yeah yeah the whole the whole gambit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, what uh, we watched this separately. But um, I think because you had watched it first and then you had said something to me about it. Yeah. So when I initially had watched the documentary, here's like the li- the linear <laughs> feelings that I had. in. I believe in the first episode and the second episode, I was um, feeling pretty like confident about the documentary. And I was feeling like, wow, like this is wild I'm so happy that she's found like meditation and she's finding balance within herself like her emotions and stuff like that and then episodes three and four is kind of when things is it moving (laughs) (laughs) you want to be a part of the conversation (laughs) let me teach you (laughs) um episodes three and four is kind of when I started getting um I have anxiety like thinking about this (laughs) when I when I started feeling like Oh, Demi. Yeah. You know, and I want to preface this by saying I have so much empathy for Demi. I really do. Um, I think that she was failed by a lot of people very young. I think she was failed by her parents. I think that her team failed her, um, you know, society too, right? The pressure that we put on child actors and stuff like that. So I do have so much empathy for her. I'm just really sad to see where the documentary, where it kind of took a turn and also therefore like how her life has kind of taken a turn. And so when I watched the fourth episode of the documentary, which is when Demi disclosed that she's California sober. So just for those of you that maybe don't know, like Demi's history. So Demi Lovato has um, a history of like eating disorders, substance abuse, um, kind of like all over the map. Like I I believe like the final kind of... um, like worst time was like heroin 
use and stuff like that but um has continually used like alcohol and stuff like that throughout like since she was like 16 or something I think yeah so Demi was quite famously sober from the age of 19 after she had kind of like really struggled with addiction and so she's been sober like for most of her adult life and then she had a really life-threatening overdose on fentanyl actually um she thought that she was doing heroin and she was she ended up having fentanyl I'm getting such bad anxiety talking about this um and 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 that overdose like resulted in like she has her vision's impaired from it um she has brain damage she had like three strokes a heart attack like yeah it it was it was a pretty substantial you know overdose yeah and so I when I watched the fourth episode I had texted Mm -hmm. Sam and I was like I'm not rooting for her to fail Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm under the impression that she will relapse I'm anticipating it yeah yeah and um Throughout the fourth episode, some things that really caught my eye, I wrote down some quotes. I don't even like know what, like how to phrase this, where to even start, you know what I mean? Dude, I, I could, I could talk about this documentary all day long because, so for those of you that don't know, um, my husband, Matt has struggled with addiction. He went to rehab. Um, and so this is like a pretty it's a pretty prevalent conversation in our household, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, you know, and for me, like, I, yeah, I, I kind of started it the same way where in the first few episodes, I was like, oh, this is so good that she's talking about this. And, you know, she's she's really kind of putting it all out there because I think that, um, you know, it is important to see kind of like the ugly bits, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not necessarily in like a horror story way, like don't do drugs, kids, but like just, you know, like this is what, addiction looks like Mm -hmm. and this is like how many people it affects and the ripple effect of it and you know all of that and then in the final episode I was like oh oh wow like this went from being something that I think could be really helpful to something that's so deeply irresponsible in my opinion Mm -hmm. um her whole thing with being like California sober is that she is continuing to drink alcohol and smoke weed um in in moderation in her words um and and her whole kind of I I don't want to say justification but the the reasoning behind that is that um she feels like too controlled otherwise and that um you know complete sobriety doesn't work for her um and I (laughs) it's it's hard to listen to that for me because just based on everything that I know about addiction I haven't personally suffered with addiction so I'll say that but just based on everything that I know from Matt and my own research and just like talking to people about it, um, you know, I, I, I think that it's a very, very, very rare circumstance where an addict can continue to use substances in moderation and, and have that be successful for them long term. Yeah. And, and my concern with um, kind of posing this as a, as a solution is that to me, any addict watching that is going to listen and be like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so so I don't have to get sober because this is an option. Like, moderation is an option. And it's like, well, of course, like, you know, it, it starts out as moderation, but it so quickly turns into something else. And we know this. We know this about addiction. And we know that, you know, even if you are continuing to use substances that maybe wasn't like your drug of choice, um, 
just statistically speaking, it doesn't seem to really matter. And I think that the thing that a lot of people think is that when addicts or people with substance abuse issues, when they relapse, it's going to look like it's portrayed in the movies. Like they Mm -hmm. just go on a crazy bender. It's like one night after the other, it's super hard drugs, but it doesn't always look like that. And in my experience, and I have struggled with addiction and I don't, um, disclose a lot of my life online for personal reasons, but I have a lot of experience in this. And that's why I, I don't really like touching on the subject as much because I'm not willing to talk about my experiences fully. I talk about my experience with alcohol pretty openly, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I have knowledge, you know what I mean? I, I can talk about this. <laughs> Let me just say that. Okay. Well, and also I think, because I, I think the, the thing that's tricky with talking about substance abuse um, and addiction and stuff like that is that I think a lot of people want to jump in and be like, you don't know what you're talking about, but it's like, but you have no idea because whether I've dealt with it or like, like personally or my husband or my family member or what, like you have no idea. Addiction is so unbelievably widespread. Yeah. And it's also, in my opinion, really kind of like underdiagnosed a lot of the times as well, because it, especially with alcohol, so normalized. Yeah. So normalized. So anyways, like, Yeah, on. no, for sure. Um, so I think that there's such a misconception that it's going to be an all or nothing re-entry into the world of substances. And this was a conversation that I had with my boyfriend recently when we were talking about if I was ever going to drink again. <clears throat> and I said, and this is another thing that I always say, but everyone knows if you watch the podcast or my channel, um, that I always say, I'm just not going to drink today. That's like my mantra. And um, I have, I'm going to call back to that in a second, but you, you can never drink again without saying I'm never going to drink again. You know what I mean? And so I was having this conversation with my boyfriend and he was saying, oh, like if, if you had a drink, um, it would just be like, you wouldn't stop that night sort of thing. And I'm like, but to me, that's such a misconception because that's not how it would go for me. I know that that's not how it would go. I would have a glass of wine with dinner. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I would have two glasses of wine with dinner. And then I wouldn't drink for three days. Yeah. And then I would have some beers. And then eventually, like, I think it would take months and months. But eventually now I'm back to hiding it. Because... Well, and, well, and it could take years even. Yeah. Like, it, it could seem truly like you do have it, like, under control, so to speak, for mm-hmm. a very, very long time. And then... And then <laughs> The problem with that, too, is that it's like the people around you might be looking at you being like, oh, you defeated addiction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Like, Good for you. You did it, man. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Like, and, and that is like such a scary thing because it can just be happening and you cannot realize it. The people around you could not realize it so easily. Well, and that to me is what's so scary about addiction is I think we also view active addiction in the most extreme ways. Mm -hmm. So we view it as homelessness and um, what someone might look like in a severe crack addiction or something like, you know what I mean? I feel like that's what people think about when they think of severe addiction or addiction in general. And that's not always what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I could fly under the radar for a really long time. I did it for years. I flew under the radar with active addiction. Um, And I could do it again. Do you know what I mean? And that to me is what's so scary about addicts is we are so manipulative and we are so not, and I don't mean to generalize, but it's, it's, but I think it's not a matter of, of 
like <laughs> that, that that people that are addicts are inherently manipulative yeah. but rather that addiction is inherently manipulative yeah and and the thing with it is that my addiction comes first mm-hmm. so when I'm in active addiction that's what comes first and so if I want to be doing this I'm going to find a way and it doesn't even have to be like really detrimental to the other person manipulation it's like okay me thinking when are you going to bed yeah so that I can now drink without worrying that you're going to call on me to come and see you and then you can smell it on my breath that sort of thing like yeah. it doesn't always have to be this like it's I'm lying by omission like yeah kind of, yeah exactly and so I know that I could fly under the radar and go back into active addiction and that's something that is scary and that's why it scared me so much I literally like again my eyes are like watering that's why it scared me so much watching the documentary with Demi because I was watching it happen in front of my eyes it felt because in her documentary, she's open and honest about being manipulative and, and lying to the public and lying to her team. The whole way that she overdosed, um, her near-death <clears throat> overdose, was she was at a birthday party <laughs> with one of her friends. They were having wine. Everybody went to bed. She had asked people to stay over. They didn't stay over. And then she called her dealer and got drugs. And um, to me, it's just like, how are these people still sitting here yeah. while she's saying, I'm just going to try moderation, knowing how good she is at yeah. flying under the radar? Because we don't know. Because she did an entire documentary high on, on cocaine. Yeah. And she relapsed after doing um, her second documentary and was, was drinking right after it. I think it was a couple months that I don't, I'm not sure on the timeline. But to me, it's like, She's never giving herself enough time in one form of recovery to talk about it or to even fully deal with it. And I just want to pull to this quote that I took from the documentary. And the interviewer said, if there was ever a time you were going to use hard drugs, it would be after your engagement. So something else that I've learned (laughs) through addiction um, is A, that you can get addicted to anything. Doesn't mean you will. Um, but I'm the type of person who can get addicted to anything. And by anything, I mean people, yeah. exercise, um, like genuinely anything. Like things that I was like, this is an addiction, you know? And these are things that I've worked through with my therapist to f- figure out like, this is crazy that like... I'm- well, and, and not... E- sorry to cut you off, but no. n- not even um, addiction in like a like overly, you know... Um, like diving into something but also like in a restrictive way as well Mm -hmm. you know yeah and in the third episode I think it was Demi um disclosed that she had gotten engaged um and she got engaged quite rapidly and something else that I know about addiction is that it can make you quite impulsive as well um and do things you normally wouldn't do and when I heard this when I heard that she had invited her boyfriend to live with her during quarantine and stuff like that um I kind of, I saw myself in that instance. I was like, oh, you're now, you're attaching yourself, your addiction to a person now. Mm -hmm. And that's just me like speculating, obviously. Um, But it it makes sense to me in the kind of (laughs) like range of addiction. Uh, And then in the next episode, she had called off her engagement. And again, to me, I was like, okay, so, you know, could it have been true love that you found your one for sure? But seeing how quickly the engagement dissolved, do you know what I mean? It kind of just like solidified it for me. And when the interview said that, when he said, um, interviewer said that, he said, 
if there was ever a time you were going to use hard drugs, it would be after your engagement. Um, I felt sad again because I was like, yes, definitely big life events, things that hurt you, um, things that bring you down, you, you're more vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? But I feel like that, again, is a misconception that you have to have a reason to go back to your addiction. And that's not true. Well, and I, th- I think that that's, that is the <laughs> very unfortunate thing about it is it could be the literal exact opposite where you're like, you know what? Like things are going really good. I feel like I have a really good handle on my addiction. I feel like, you know, um, there's nothing that's really triggering me. So why can't I have a beer? Mm-hmm. Like it, it can be that simple. And to speak more to the um, addicted to people thing, um, that was part of Matt's suggested like after recovery kind of thing like once he got out of rehab um they said they suggested that he didn't date at all for a full year afterwards yeah and you know for that exact reason (laughs) because it is so easy to kind of you know just old habits die hard you know what I mean whether it's a substance or a person or a behavior or whatever yeah um I just wanted to go back to the manipulation thing too because the thing that I thought was so fucking bizarre is that like she herself multiple times throughout the documentary um, mentioned how manipulative she was and how good she was at hiding it. Her best friends, her siblings, her parents, her team, (laughs) all of these people also agreed with that being like, she's so manipulative, she's so good at hiding it. Like if she doesn't want you to know, you won't, blah, blah, blah. And then went on to um, basically support, not even basically, in my opinion, just completely support her decided path of like moderation which I mean of course like it's it's such a it's such a fine line because like on one hand it's like yeah you do want to be there for people but at the same time it's like when does that cross the line from you're there for that you're there for them and you're supporting them to now you're enabling them knowing what you know about addiction knowing what you know about their personality and their ability to hide things and it's like it's just so odd to me that all these people are kind of like yeah, I think I think Demi's really found a good balance. I think she's really like it's just like but you don't you you actually can't know. Like yeah. you you literally cannot know that. Well, and and I think that that you're pulling from the mom said that. I remember that line that she spoke and I was just like, "Oh, my good god." <laughs> this mm-hmm. is just wild to me. I think that I think she might have said moderation. She's do, she's doing what works for her um, and she's found moderation. The sister as well said she found balance. Just, okay. <laughs> the thing with addiction, the the issue with addiction is there is no moderation. And Demi is an addict. And regardless if, if you think that it's moderation for them right now, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And you don't know what it looks like two years later. Yeah. And Elton John, whoo, my man in that documentary, when... <laughs> Voice of reason, like, just freaking breaking up all the, like, oh, my God, ca- the yes chaos. Men. Yeah. Yeah. In the documentary, I'm so glad that they left this in. I was surprised, actually, but I, I thought that it was, like, pretty good of them to leave it in. Um, he said, moderation doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> if yeah. you have a drink, you're going to have another one. If you take a pill, you're going to take another one. And um, I'm not trying to discredit anyone who is living in moderation. Uh, never, never met one. Yeah. Is the thing. Um, you know, alcohol wasn't my drug of choice. Yeah. Quite frankly. <laughs> and um, I didn't like drinking alcohol. And then here we are, yeah. you know. And so I just know 
not for me. And I know a lot, a lot of people with substance abuse issues and addiction. And, you know, there was a, a another quote in here um, where she said, Demi said, I know it doesn't work for me shutting the door on things and saying I'm never doing these things again. And of course it doesn't work because you don't, you don't want that as an addict, of course. But furthermore, this is like my thing is you don't have to say that. Mm. You can do it without saying it. I don't say that. It scares the shit out of me. It scares yeah. me to be like, I'm never going to have a drink again. I'm not going to drink on my wedding night. I'm I'm not going to drink whatever on my honeymoon. Yeah. I don't like thinking about that. But I spoke about this a couple <clears throat> weeks ago. can't remember to who. Um, but I was saying... I when I was worrying about that when I was thinking about f- my future without substances I was worrying about an issue that actually didn't exist yet so I was speaking back to your wedding because I was quite newly sober at your wedding and I was thinking about it and I'm like all these people are going to be drinking they're going to be having so much fun I'm not going to be able to drink I'm going to feel awkward I'm going to wish I was drinking so it was like this lead up where I was like kind of upset about it yeah but when the day actually came the I didn't care, you yeah. know what I mean? And and I'm lucky that alcohol wasn't super triggering for me at that time. But for my personal experience, it was like the lead up was so much worse because when the day actually came, people actually weren't drinking as much as I recall people drinking, maybe because that's how much I drank. So I thought everybody <laughs> was drinking as much as I was, but it wasn't the center focus mm-hmm. for really anybody. I was so happy to be there with you. You know, the day was about so much more than champagne, you yeah. know? Um, and so my feeling when she said that was, okay, but you don't have to say that. Let's let's change the mindset instead of changing the substances that you're taking into your body. So yeah. let's keep the substances away, but change your mindset. You don't have to say you're never going to do it again. Just wake up and say, not going to do it today. Yeah. Well, you know? and I think, yeah, like to your point, it's like that that does make it so much more daunting to to say that you're not going to do anything ever again is, yeah. is daunting. And, you know, it's to me, it's kind of akin as well to... Um, like if you can't relate to addiction at all, like even just saying like, I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week. Yeah. Well, that's fucking daunting as hell. Like, (laughs) you know, you probably could make it there, but like if you have never been to the gym before and then you're trying to like go all or nothing, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big lifestyle change. But it's like, just drive yourself there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to go and do two hours of cardio just drive yourself there. You know, don't worry about all of these other things that are going on in, in the addiction world. It's like, okay, let's just today. We're not, we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and right after that quote, she said, so the first one was, I know it doesn't work for me shutting the door on things and saying, I'm never doing these again. And almost directly after she said, I know I'm done with the stuff that's going to kill me. I, that line in particular really fucking got me. And so this is hard for me too, because if you're, if you truly believe that saying, no, I'm never going to do this again, doesn't work for you. And then you're following it up with, I know I'm done. Mm -hmm. That's concerning for me because I'm, I'm finding, um, a discrepancy in your mindset. Yeah. So that's fine. But like, let's figure out where you're actually at so that we can go ahead with that mindset and every day repeat the same thing to yourself. So it's either I'm done with the things that are going to kill me or I'm not going to die today because of my addiction. Yeah. Right. Um, and then right after that, in the same sentence, she said, but I wish that I could get some relief 
through weed or something. Again, very concerning statements to me. And I'm just so surprised that her team, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but in the documentary, it seemed that her team was quite supportive. Some people were saying, um, I'm not completely 100% with it. Regardless, you're not saying no, you're not dropping her from your roster because of it, right? Like, you are enabling this at the end of the day. Her family, you know, her mom was like, yeah, she's great. (laughs) Well, and Um, I I think her mom also echoed that this isn't something that's going to kill her, which I also just want to point out, okay, weed, no, probably not going to kill you. Um, Alcohol absolutely can kill you. Yeah. And and, and it does. Like, this is a huge issue that I think is, like, very, um, it's not noticed enough or paid enough attention to um, with alcohol specifically. And also she did struggle with alcohol addiction before. It mm-hmm. wasn't maybe like the the main, main thing that led to like a lot of medical complications, but it very easily can be. And again, it's just, you know, these things can so often lead from one thing to the next, but anyways, carry on. Yeah. Well, and exactly. I'll, um, I'm going to circle back to that in just a sec. So <clears throat> the thing about her saying, I just, just to get some relief mm. again, huge issues there that you are thinking about drugs as a prescription for your mental health. Yeah. Um, and I know that, um, you know, marijuana can be used for a lot of things. I take CBD for anxiety. So I understand that there are some benefits to certain plants. You know what I mean? I get it. Um, I think the issue here, uh, is that number one, she specifically chose to say weed, Mm-hmm. Um, instead of alcohol, and maybe I'm reading into it, but um, I think that that elicits more of an empathetic response from people because there are medical benefits to marijuana or perceived medical benefits that haven't been studied enough for us to have yeah. like a con- conclusive idea on it. Um, but had she said through alcohol, I think she would have elicited a different response. Yeah, I agree. Right, and I think that that was like a, a pointed choice that she made, and with alcohol and her mom saying this isn't something that's going to kill her her overdose was perpetu was started by alcohol because Mm -hmm. she was intoxicated and she had been using before that but in my experience alcohol often leads to worse things so if you are known to do harder substances you're more likely to do them if you're already intoxicated mm-hmm. because that's just how alcohol works. Um, well, and even if you just have um, like risky behavior or mm-hmm. impulse control or whatever, like not even necessarily leading to drugs, but just leading to generally p- poor decisions potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's not even like touching on the fact that alcohol is such a, a dangerous substance to some as well. Um, and again, I'm like, I'm, if you want to drink, drink, you know what I mean? It's when yeah. you have an issue with a substance that it yeah. becomes like a bigger issue. Well, no, I was going to say that too, just touching on that with, um, you know, marijuana and stuff like that, because there, there is a huge, huge difference in my opinion, at least between, um, an addict using marijuana and, um, someone that doesn't struggle with substance abuse using marijuana and drinking and yeah. honestly even just like using other types of drugs like recreationally and stuff like that there's a huge difference between that if you're not somebody that struggles with that impulse control and substance abuse yeah and it's not in a judgment way at all my concern is that she's surrounded by so many yes men that are saying yeah, okay, because they're scared of her because she's posed this now. 
in a way that says, if you tell me to be completely sober, I'm going to go off the deep end mm-hmm. and I'm going to die. Yeah. And that puts you in a really, really bad situation as a friend, as a family member, and as a part of her team. Because that's essentially saying like, to me, it's the same as um, or similar to, to people threatening suicide if you leave them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, well, if you tell me what to do, I'm just going to go take a bunch of fentanyl. Yeah. That's so manipulative. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge issue in the mental health just based on on that whole thing alone. Um, and something else that she talked about was that she struggles with depression like really, really deeply. And so she does have... Um, you know, she struggles with her mental health and it's completely natural, honestly. Like, it's a normal thing that stems with addicts that they start using drugs to self-medicate. And so when I heard her say to get some relief, I know that she's still in the mindset of I'm just trying to self-medicate, whether that's her Mm -hmm. depression, whether that's her eating disorder, don't know. Um, But let's fix the main issue, which is your mental health. Yeah. You know, and alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. Right. And I think that a lot of people forget that um, because in the moment it can make you feel warm and fuzzy, but it's absolutely a depressant. Yeah. But yeah, like on the mental health point, it's it's just to me, it, it, there there's clearly still underlying issues that haven't been resolved. Um, and something also that I wanted to bring up that I thought was really interesting and I didn't really catch this which I'm kind of surprised by um but I watched this guy on YouTube he's a therapist um his name's uh Dr. Kirk Honda and he has a YouTube channel called Psychology in Seattle um and he's the best I fucking love his channel so much (laughs) I like binge it like so hard um but he 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 did videos reacting to this documentary um and one of the things that he brought up is that he was like you know um worth mentioning that she has brain damage still from this Mm -hmm. and um this is something that I was like oh wow I'm so shocked that I didn't even consider that because um for those of you that don't know my brother has brain damage from a car accident that's like I mean it's just persisted for years and years obviously um and and one of the things with brain damage is that we know so little about it (laughs) um but I know that for my brother like he he does have a hard time um you know coming to the same conclusions that maybe like you or i would very easily um he has a hard time like with right from wrong um he can kind of like find himself in sticky situations really really easily um and so for me i was like oh wow like that could be such a substantial factor that like not even she realizes how um like that underlying issue could be like lending to her being able to justify things like like moderation you know and that was just such an interesting point to me that I wanted to like bring up as well because it's all 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 of these you know all of these health impacts they do have long-term effects as well and and they all play into where you're at now so it's like I think that we do ourselves a disservice by um look looking at someone like Demi and saying well she seems under control but it's like but you need that context of that history and and all the the ways that like you know she struggles with addiction you know she struggles with manip- manip- manipulation around addiction um you know she struggles with her mental health you know that this has been like the health impact from that like you know that context matters and it's important in regards to 
how you're perceiving that person because it's so easy to be like, well, I don't struggle with addiction. That's what I look like when I drink. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, go out and have a beer with dinner and I'm fine. And and I think that we so much like don't want to believe that, you know, the people we care about, um, could, could be manipulating us. Like we, we want to believe the best. We want to root for them. And, and not that like, again, like I'm not, <laughs> I wouldn't be like rooting for her or anyone else that I know that struggles with addiction, right. but it's, it's just, it, it is that fine line of rooting for them and supporting them and being there for them, but also knowing when you're enabling them and being able to recognize that and, and put your foot down because that is a really important aspect of recovery as well. Um, and when Matt was going into rehab, that was something that, um, before he got there, the counselors that worked there were talking to his parents on the phone and they were like, you have to tell him that this, you're not going to let him come back to your house. You're not going to support him financially. You're not going like, this is it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like we're cutting you out and that's that kind of thing, whether or not that would end up being true. But like, you know, they said like, this is really important for you to make sure he knows that like you're not going to continue to be there because there are so many instances especially with like parents to um kids where the parents just i think want to believe so badly that their kid's going to be okay and that they're going to pull themselves out of it and that like they're not manipulating them and whatever and then we see so many instances where (laughs) you know addicts are like sometimes like bleeding families dry Mm -hmm. resource wise financially emotionally because you just keep believing in and believing in and believing in of course that's what we do but it's it's to not only your detriment but potentially the person who's struggling with addictions detriment as well yeah and something that Demi said in the documentary was that I didn't write it down so this is not a quote but it was um you an addict shouldn't be forced to get help they shouldn't be forced to quit their substance that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and I agree that um you need to want to get better to get better for sure but I think that there's merit in creating an environment where it doesn't look so fun to be in your addiction anymore and in my scenario I had to hit rock bottom a couple of times before I before I got sober you know and I've the thing is is like I've gotten sober a couple times yeah you know and for different like lengths of time and this is the longest that I've been sober which like woo, yeah almost (laughs) two years um but in which is crazy because it feels like it's been always that's so nice to hear yeah (laughs) (laughs) like it, it really like it's it's so like it is like two different people in my mind it's so weird yeah how fun though um but it's true like when people didn't know when I was manipulating them so that they didn't think it was as bad as it was or whatever it was a lot easier to continue to be in my addictions Mm -hmm. and um I think that the same is for a lot of people and there are some people who hit rock bottom and they just don't make it and I think that that is the fear with families um specifically families that if they cut them off and you know, so to speak, like send them onto the streets sort of thing that they won't make it. And that is like a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can empathize with that as well. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard. It is, I know that it's hard. Um, but I don't, I just don't think that it was responsible even for her to say that, that she doesn't think that, um, 
addicts should have to get help if they don't want to because sometimes you don't want to get help (laughs) in the beginning too right and then you can come to your own um you know your own acceptance of your recovery Mm -hmm. and I don't know that one's hard for me yeah well and and I I do like yeah I agree that you can't force someone into recovery but I think that um you also don't have to um be a bystander to it either Mm -hmm. like like I think that you can choose to remove yourself from that situation and I don't think that that even makes you a bad person because I think to um to continually force yourself to be a bystander to someone else's addiction I I I I don't think that that's fair Mm -hmm. um if that's not what you're willing to like you know take 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 on emotionally and mentally because like that is a huge huge burden and I I, it's it's such a sad aspect of addiction because like we do have that mentality of like well if I stop supporting this person if I stop allowing this person to be in my life is that going to be what pushes them over the edge Mm -hmm. and like if you know it's like there's all these what ifs that you're kind of like putting back on yourself but I mean overall with this whole documentary like it's just I I just feel like it was so irresponsible because to me, here's what I would have preferred. Release a documentary with where you're at. And I think that that's perfectly fine to be like, you know, I'm still struggling. I'm still figuring it out, whatever kind of thing. I I think the, the biggest issue to really the only issue to me is that she was posing this as like a solution mm-hmm. when this hasn't worked for you long term yet. Yeah, <laughs> I I think it's one thing to be like, this is where I'm at. Like, I have relapsed. I'm continuing to use substances. Like, this is what addiction looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's all perfectly fine and well. Like, I do, again, think that it's important to to acknowledge that. And, you know, um, I want to say as well that, like, I don't want to – I don't want anyone to think that, like, m- me or you, or, like, or anyone is, like, trying to villainize addicts because no. that's not – that's that's not it but there is just some like the manipulation and that mindset and like those are things that we see predominantly with that couples with addiction and 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 it's you know like those aren't necessarily super admirable traits but it's not it's not something where you know I I think all addicts are bad people of course I'm (laughs) married to one um you know like it's just it's it's a disease and it's something that is really you have to be so careful with, um, you know, just accepting it for what it is, honestly, in in my opinion. Um, Well, and if anything, I feel like talking about the realities of addiction helps humanize mm -hmm. addicts um, or those with substance abuse issues. Um, And I think that it's important because I don't think that we talk about, we don't talk about it enough the behind the scenes of addiction we see something we're scared of it we look the other way Mm -hmm. and that's not I don't think that that's the way that we kind of like come together on this issue yeah um which is like I mean there's an insane opioid crisis right now and and you know the opioids that are on the streets are absolutely killing people like in droves um so it's a really scary time and I think that if we understand the why more Mm -hmm. behind addiction and like some of the things that it can present as and that they're oftentimes not as scary as we think um then we can get to understand it and then it's like okay now there's some humanization around it and now we actually want to help and such (laughs) well and it's it's like it's 
it's pertinent to to have that understanding so that we can actually help and we can actually you know because for me like when I um started dating Matt and I I already like knew a fair amount about addiction but like I've learned a lot more like having been with him because you know I would see certain behaviors in him that I would really struggle with and I would take it kind of like personally Mm -hmm. like oh why 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 am I not enough like why you know it seems like you're still kind of you know because like when we first started dating he would say things like that he didn't like being sober and that he you know didn't enjoy his life like that and whatever and I'd be like oh well you know that's like hurtful for me because I want to be enough for you and so like through conversations with him through conversations with my therapist like gaining the understanding of like you know, this is an impulse control issue. Like, it, it really has nothing to do with anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, it can have things to do with outside people in, like, a trauma sense. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's it's nothing to do with, like, you not being enough. It's just, like, this is an impulse control and this is a different part of the brain that's, like, you know, lending to these things. And for me, having that understanding and having that context of, like, what what does addiction really look like? What does that mean? How does that translate when someone's not in active addiction right now yeah it has been so helpful for me to be more sympathetic um to not only matt but just like people all over the place and to also have an understanding that like addiction doesn't always look how you think it's going to look and that's really important to know mm-hmm. and i just think like all of that to say i i would feel a lot differently if to me, I feel like she's almost, um, I don't want to say glamorizing, but just making it seem like this is like a viable option, which it can be, I suppose, in like very rare circumstances. I don't think to the point where it's worth like a PSA of of saying like, let's try moderation, guys. Like just yeah. as a whole, let's try it. And And I also think that it would be different if, you know, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, she was doing a documentary being like, look at like moderation was, is what worked for me. That might not be true for you, but that's what worked for me. And like, mm-hmm. here we go. That's my story. Because that, you know, I, I think that if you struggle with addiction, it's something that you continue to struggle with your whole life in uh, different ways. But <laughs> it, I, I would feel a lot differently about it if she, if that genuinely, we could see like history of that being, a viable solution for her yeah in the documentary there were a couple of times where they said just because this works for me doesn't mean it works for you mm-hmm. um uh recovery isn't a one-size-fits-all thing to me I just I have to be completely honest here like I can't even PR this like to me that was for PR yeah number one and again just gonna be honest I don't think moderation works for addicts yeah you know, am I going to catch some heat for that? Maybe. Um, but that is my personal opinion. And I just can't sit here and be like, okay, for some, for addicts, I do not believe that moderation works. I think that, um, if it works, it works for a very short amount of time Mm -hmm. or it looks like it's working and it's not Yeah. for, and I'm only, I'm talking about addicts with addiction, right? Like there's people who do struggle with like, um, phases you know what I mean? Of, of substance abuse and stuff like that. There's, there's differences here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't, I don't believe that it works. And I think it's really dangerous that she put out that documentary. And quite honestly, I th- I was like, I wonder if I could smoke weed. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Knowing everything yeah. that I know, 
still a part of my brain was like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could smoke weed. And I said this to you the other day. I was like, but then I was driving home and realized I would have to take a no sober date. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what stopped me. My sobriety stopped me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I do feel like I'm quite strong in my sobriety. And I feel like I have like, I, I had so many resources in therapy and stuff like that to help me like overcome a lot of these issues. And there's people who don't have my years of experience and and people around me in a support system who might think maybe I can smoke weed maybe I can have a drink yeah you know and I think that that is truly so dangerous and I just I I really do hate that it turned out that way yeah um I don't think sorry I'm going on a soapbox now I don't think that Demi has to be the poster child for sobriety. I know that that was really oh, hard for her. Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. She had to carry that, like, sobriety flag through her 20s, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a, that's a lot of pressure on a young person and somebody who um, is in the public eye and from such a young age who went through traumas, you know, really young. I think that that was a mistake of her team to, you know, tote her like that, like, yeah. as this, you know, poster child for sobriety. Um, and I get that she doesn't want to be that anymore. And that's, you know, com- I think that that's a healthier option for her too. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think that you should be sitting up there saying like, you're so balanced and things are, mm-hmm. you know, going so you're no longer jailed by things. Even with her eating disorder more recently, um, I did write down a quote as well. I will let this go. <laughs> she said, um, it no longer rules my life. I no longer feel like I'm in a prison. Um, and more recently there was this whole thing that went like viral over a yogurt frozen yogurt shop Mm. um where she was like really really triggered in her eating disorder because she saw like this sign that said um guilt-free yeah uh which i don't i don't agree with that messaging either yeah you know um but the frozen yogurt shop had all of these different options and they were stating that it was for dietary um restrictions restrictions and stuff and we kind of saw demi um unravel a little bit and I think that her intentions were pure but I don't know that you can say that the voice is in the documentary she said the voice is so quiet yeah with her eating disorder and that she feels free and she's no longer in a prison to me again that shows me you you do believe that you're in such a different place than you're at yeah. and I think it's important to be honest with yourself in the beginning I couldn't I could not go to a restaurant yeah and even eat dinner Because I couldn't put myself in a situation where I could order a a beer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And I think that it's dangerous to think that you are so much further along in your recovery than you are because then you're putting yourself in those situations. Yeah. And so to me, the eating disorder statement and um, that experience for her in the frozen yogurt shop, I can see how that could be the same in her uh, addictions. Yeah. So thinking that she's so much further along that moderation is going to work for her long term. Um, but in reality, not. Yeah. Well, and I do think as well, going back to um, like them saying like, you know, this doesn't necessarily work for everyone kind of thing. I think that was so glossed over. It was mentioned for sure, but I agree that it felt more like, we're saying this because we have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's make sure that we, like, put that in there sort of thing. Um, Because it wasn't like they went into the whys behind that. Like, yeah. you know, and here's all the reasons why moderation doesn't work most of the time. And we know this. Like, we know this medically speaking. <laughs> like, that this doesn't work. Um, And I think that also it was, like, that messaging already 
wasn't substantial enough in my opinion and then it fell flat even more when you have all these people around Demi saying you know that yeah she is balanced and she's in a good place and you know I think she's she understands like her limitations and whatever um and also something that I didn't I I didn't like about the documentary is how they kind of um uh paralleled her eating disorder to her sobriety um there was one part where they were talking about how um for years like her her team would get her cakes for her birthday that were watermelon yeah like (laughs) um and you know she was in the documentary having a drink with her friends and having an actual cake for her birthday Mm -hmm. and her one best friend was like you know I just think it's so great that you know we can go and we can enjoy the weekend we can eat whatever we want we can whatever but it's like um eating disorders are so different from substance abuse Mm -hmm. you know and I think that you brought up the point to me when we were talking about this privately that like you can't not eat Mm-hmm. And that is why moderation works for an eating disorder. And, you know, because of course it has to, you have to eat. Like there is no option. There's no way around that. And that's not the same for substances, um, you know, like alcohol and weed and et cetera. Um, and I, I think that there's danger in um, comparing the two because it, to me, it's like you're just trying to find all of these pathways to say, Look, look how moderation works. Look how not closing the door on things works. Yeah. But it's not the same thing. So yeah. it, it, it's, it, but to people that are hearing it that don't know enough about addiction, that are in active addiction themselves, they can hear that and go, oh yeah, okay, yeah. And then, and then, you know, the person that then goes on from watching that documentary and they maybe have someone in their life struggling with substance abuse and they're like, well, you know, maybe you have, maybe you cut out this stuff, but like yeah. you just keep alcohol and like that's fine and then we can still drink on the weekends together and like you know I'll keep an eye on you and like we'll know whether or not you're going off the deep end but it's like you can be around someone 24 hours a day and they can still be hiding it from you like you're not going into the bathroom with them you're not you know like it it is it is so much harder to detect than we think so I, I just that whole messaging to me at the end was just like oh what a what a disappointing what a disappointing wrap up to something yeah. that could have been so so helpful because it made the entire rest of the documentary to me be like I was like oh so that now you know I, I still commend her for being forthcoming about all of this because it is it's it's difficult I'm sure it's difficult for her to talk about I'm sure that there's some amount of like shame associated with this for her um obviously she's like in the public eye which makes it that much harder like yeah. you know it's there's I I commend her for speaking about it. I'm just like so disappointed that that was how it unfolded at the end. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not even disappointed in her is the thing because she's, in my opinion, she's not well right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that I'm more, I'm disappointed in her team Yeah, and not even her family because her family has to struggle you know, alongside everyone, yeah. everyone struggles when someone you love is in active addiction. Um, and even in sobriety sometimes, because there's, you know, things that carry, carry through, but her team is the one that gets paid, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they need to be the ones to say, Hey, maybe you're not ready to talk about this yet. Yeah. And they were filming a documentary prior. And so it makes sense to me 
because they had to scrap that documentary. It makes sense to me that they want to protect their assets. And they're yeah. like, hey, we need to, you know, create a documentary. I think you're ready to talk about this. Let's center it around this. Let's do this, you know. And um, she talks about making a lot of her own decisions and that it's important to make her decisions. But if you think that people can't pose something to you and make it seem like it's your decision, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying I see, I see stuff like, this have seen stuff like this at such a smaller scale so many times Mm -hmm. and it's easy to be to pick it out now and see like call the bullshit basically yeah and not her bullshit but just the the big business Mm -hmm. of her because she is a business right um and I also don't judge her for being California sober I just don't like that it is posed in the way it was in the documentary yeah um that was something too that uh that therapist that I follow on YouTube spoke to is that he was like you know she keeps referencing how grateful she is for her team and then when she talks about her team um you know she references like her manager and her security guard and whatever and he was like I'm not hearing a whole lot of like like there was a couple times where she was like you know my therapist and my case manager and he was like I'm not really sure like what her case manager I don't really understand like what that person is doing or who they are in relation to like her sobriety Mm -hmm. um but he was like you know even with like her therapist we don't know what kind of therapist this is yeah and he was like there's such a range of of therapists like there's people that are really they just completely take a back seat and they're like you know what like you come here and talk to me and whatever like and they're not as hands-on there's other people that are really hands-on there's people that would confront her mm-hmm. about her behavior there's therapists that wouldn't mm-hmm. um and he was like and I think that's important to note because we're not hearing you know my sponsor or mm-hmm. my you know like NA meetings that I go to every single day or my AA meetings that I go to every single day we're not hearing like what type of therapist she has we're not hearing you know like if she has um a substance abuse specialist that she works with like those those are the things that like like from his thing he was like that's what I would suggest as like her treatment plan that's what I would suggest her team to look like right so you know when you're referencing your team as not those things he was like that's really concerning yeah you know like because it's just like you like you can feel really good about where you are at in life and and feel like I have a good group around me and that could be true like you could have a good support system around you it doesn't mean that it's the right support system yeah so true man I do remember when I told my therapist that I wanted to try weed and she was like maybe best you don't (laughs) (laughs) and also we could not do that (laughs) and I was like oh you think she's like yeah no (laughs) I was like okay (laughs) fucking fair enough (laughs) and fair enough yeah Uh. and so I didn't (laughs) oh boy but well and and that's the thing too like you know like it's it's if you have people around you that are like yeah that sounds because again it's like if you don't struggle with addiction yourself yeah beer on the weekend doesn't sound fucking outrageous Mm -hmm. to like anyone you know what I mean like that's not so like if your friend was coming to you being like oh like I just you know it's my birthday we're in Palm Springs like I like I just like really like would love to like have a cocktail with you guys like you know it's so easy for someone else to be like that sounds reasonable yeah okay (laughs) I will make you a, a cocktail like you know like it's but therein lies the issue yeah you know not enough understanding so um 
So to circle back to our original question, oh my <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you feel like, what responsibility do you feel like celebrities carry around, you know, messaging and how they should be presenting themselves um, to their audience and, and all of that? So I don't think that celebrities have a responsibility to disclose anything. Mm-hmm. I think that if you want to struggle with addiction behind the scenes, that is your right. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go through recovery behind the scenes, that is also your right. What I think, when I when the responsibility comes in is when you decide to make something public, in my opinion. If it's made public against your will, mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. Yeah. You know, but... But if it's made public against your will, I don't really think that you'd be making like a documentary talking about it. Don't know. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a responsibility to watch. I mean, this sounds so like dumbed down, but like watch what you say and like yeah. really understand the implications of what you're doing. And like, I do feel like even at such a freaking small scale, you know what I mean? Like I try to do that in my own yeah situations like I try to think okay how how can I word this so that I'm being respectful and am I thinking about all of the harm I could cause by what I'm talking about and certain times like when I say I just need to be honest and I don't think moderation works it's like okay it goes out the window because I just need to be honest um but sometimes I think it's just like better just to not say anything yeah then so I do think that there's a responsibility there to watch the the harm that you could possibly be creating and especially with this like that's a lot yeah you know I think that that's a lot and and I think that she's been doing it for a while do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like this this whole like documentary thing um and especially with the team like she she's got to have PR you know they were scared to call the ambulance yeah so she's got PR yeah you know on on her side and so there's clearly still those people that are like on her team that aren't aren't just like rah rah demi like you rock like we're here for you like you know it's like there's still the people that are clearly trying to yeah to control the situation yeah which I think is important because there are so many people who are impressionable and there's there's some people who are like how could you be impressioned by this Mm. but those you're you're probably not the person who's going to be affected by that yeah you know because there are there's so many people who are influenced by celebrities like directly like our entire culture is you know in in north america is you know basically off of five or ten celebrities you know what i mean like the fashion and and stuff like that i mean like the fashion culture world and and social media and stuff like that the way that those trends move is like i i mean i could see like a handful of people that influence that yeah um so i think that it's important to note that it, it absolutely does make a huge difference and i think from reading the comments on the the docu-series, um, I'm so glad that I'm seeing so many addicts like coming through and saying what they believe to be true, which is yeah. that, you know, sobriety. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I do think too that like the whole arc of that storyline of the documentary to me was like in the beginning, like, oh, this very harrowing, like, oh my God, poor Demi, like this is so scary, like her poor family, like it was like very sad and somber. And then it ended on, and now I'm California sober and here's my new house and I look great and, you know, like I'm prioritizing myself and I have this great team and like, you know, they were talking about, um, like how she's involved with like politics <laughs> like you yeah. know like like they were they were kind of posing it as like how how um w- like like what a great great place she's in yeah. and she's d- 
doing so much better and everything looks great and she's awesome and she's talented and she looks great and like you know and it's like this is so clearly (laughs) kind of like you're trying to make it out like it's like this fairy tale like and now I'm better Mm -hmm. and it's like you know even though like of course like there was these interjections of like you know and this might not work for everyone and I you know I don't want to maybe I will relapse I hope I don't like you know like I I really worry for her whatever like you know like there were, were those kind of like interjections but it's like not not enough to um trump the overall storyline of I was bad and now I'm better mm-hmm. you know I just I don't know and, and I think like to me I feel like celebrities have a responsibility to be conscious not to be a role model mm-hmm. like I I don't think that you know Demi has to be like this this Um, perfect picture of sobriety or this or this perfect picture of a struggling addict like you know because to me it's like that that was a really good depiction of somebody who is still struggling with addiction very much so yeah because I know about addiction yeah you know but to somebody else like that is is not what that's going to translate as so like I, I don't think that she has a responsibility to be a role model for anything um I just think that it's it's important to be conscious, like you said, like what what you're putting out there and what you're saying and how you're saying it or or not saying it, you yeah. know? Well, and like you said, the time thing is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like if she had done this for 20 years and then said something like, I'm so lucky that I'm one of mm-hmm. the few that moderation works for. Yeah. That would have been like, okay, if that's what you said about it, sure. Yeah. Go for it. And if it had been long enough, you know? Yeah. But it's like this, I I, I would say it's been definitely under five years. I, I don't know the exact timeline. Um, oh, it, yeah. She, but I, but al- potentially even. Well, because in the documentary, her friend said the weed thing is very new. Mm. So it was very new as of the time of filming. And it was. I mean, they were sanitizing things, so it's within the last year and a half. Yeah, it was COVID, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's really, to me, it's just not long enough. And even, like, when I talk about my sobriety, I I just don't feel like I even pose it that way. I say, I'm just not going to drink today. Mm -hmm. And when I do, when people ask me, like, what do I do? I really try to say, this is what worked for me. Yeah. Right? Like, I always try to be mindful and, and try to say, like, you know, everybody's different. This is what, you know, I have podcasts that I've talked about it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to say that like I'm a better sober person <laughs> or anything no, like but that. I, but, but I think, I think just recognizing that it does, it, it's not one size fit all, fits all. No. And it is, it does look different on everyone. Cause you know, like I think, you know, you, you were lucky in that you didn't have to go through rehab. You yeah. didn't you, like, that's not what sobriety looked like for you. And you, that worked for you. That's not, inherently true for everyone I I don't think Matt would have gotten clean if he hadn't gone to rehab I think he doesn't believe that either yeah um you know like so it it does look different for everybody and and I I say that maybe there are like rare cases where moderation works because I don't know yeah (laughs) maybe maybe there is I I don't necessarily believe that either like I don't think that I think that even if that ends up working for you I think that that's such an anomaly that it's not even worth really saying like you know that it, it it works or it worked for you because it's like that's just to me like happenstance kind of thing yeah um but you know I I don't know and and I think that that's it, it does look so different on everyone and it's important to recognize that and acknowledge that as like 
a, a main point <laughs> that like this is different for everybody but not in a way where like you're then justifying kind of like one over the other kind of thing and especially not like glorifying something in the way that I feel like they did in that documentary. I have more to say. Oh my gosh, I'm never letting it die. That's okay. This is the other thing for me. It's, with, it's an important topic. Yeah. And like, I just feel like it's very close to you and I. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, Clearly, we're fucking... <laughs> we've already had this discussion, by the way, like three times, like off camera. <laughs> we can't let it go. No. Um, the other thing that that bothers me about the idea of moderation, just at, not even like to do with this documentary or mm-hmm. anything... Um, is that for some reason we need it that, that you can't have a beautiful life sober. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a quote from Elton John, but I just watched his part back and he didn't say that. So I like, he said something similar. Yeah. Um, but I truly believe that. I truly believe that you can have a beautiful, fulfilling life without substances. Yeah. Um, and this idea that like, it's better to be able to drink. It's better to be able to smoke weed if you want to. Yeah. Um, uh, for some people, they enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's a recreational activity. But I just want to make it known, like, you can have an extremely beautiful life sober. Yeah. You know, you don't need those things. It's, it's you can have really, like, almost, like, psychedelic experiences completely sober. Yeah. You can get into flow states. You can um, find things through meditation and, and through, like, um, connection with a partner and stuff like that. Like, there's ways that you can elicit these feelings without substances not the exact feelings you know what I mean yeah, they're yeah. chemically created <laughs> yeah for sure but but I've found things that make me feel like oh wow yeah like that was like a huge like you know what I mean and through through complete um sobriety and amazing things can happen to you as well when you're clear-minded and yeah. focused and um that doesn't necessarily mean like hustling or anything like that but um you know through through the fog so to speak yeah, well, and I, I mean, I can say that as somebody that never really partook in... I've, I've had drinks before and stuff, yeah. but, you know, as someone that has never consistently taken part of, like, any substances, um, I don't feel like I live a lesser life because of it. I mean, no. there's, there's, there's instances where maybe I feel left out of things, but um, I, I never once have been like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely... I'm sacrificing. I'm living less of a life because I don't drink or you know partake in whatever like I I still went to parties and I enjoyed them and still went out with friends and enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. you know it's there 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 are like options beyond that and I think there's also worth mentioning I think we've talked about this on the podcast before but I feel like you know um using substances as a way of coping is is so normalized and it's seen as something that's almost like yeah like you come home you unwind with a glass of wine and that's seen as like perfectly okay but for some reason like other forms of self-care that don't involve substances are kind of seen as like a waste of time yeah like that you're not being productive or you're not whatever and it's it's so weird that it's it's viewed that way like you know like well that's a that's an appropriate way to wind down that's an appropriate way to cope with stress and and sadness and breakups and whatever kind of thing um but like taking a bath or going on a walk well that's kind of like a fucking waste of time so yeah you know like yeah there's so many ways of coping and if and if you're at a point where you feel like you can't cope without substances I think it's important to to mention that there's so there's so many options and not all of those options may be available to you yeah and I think that that's also important to note but 
you well, know. Well, and especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's absolutely horrendous. And even in Canada where we do, we don't, you know, our options aren't the greatest, but they're like good in comparison to yeah. a lot of other places. But it's so hard right now for people to get beds because they're, you know, you're allowed six people in an entire yeah you know thing it's like well and you can't have your normal support system around yeah. potentially like you, yeah. you might not be able to be near the people that help you yeah you know cope in whatever way with whatever you're dealing with so oh so even more dangerous of a time. i know i know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah gosh but i mean you know i think overall just it was just disappointing but yeah worth mentioning that you know there's help out there yeah and you can lead a very beautiful life sober mm-hmm. and that's it <laughs> that's it i mean it's not it i yeah. could <laughs> i could literally go on forever. i could i could literally like play the documentary and stop it every 12 seconds and be like and another thing <laughs> that yeah. i need to talk like you know it's just it's it's hard it's it's it is like it's obviously like a topic that's very close to both of us and 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 it's it's just it's such it's such a tricky thing and it's so sad how many people it impacts and it's sad that you know to me I just feel like that was such a oh disservice yeah it it makes it worse to me that there was money made off of it yeah well and then like it promoted like an album at the end and yeah, which of course sticky. like that's just it is just I mean what that's it is. showbiz baby but yeah. I don't know and we're and we're gonna go monetize this and we're gonna probably have ads on this episode <laughs> and the, yeah and so the wheel turns yeah exactly <laughs> so true yeah you know. maybe I'll get off my high horse for a fucking <laughs> second <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean it's just it's it's tricky that and that's the thing is like you know you and I I think we can speak to you know, also making mistakes in the public eye and also not, you know, doing or saying what we should have or not saying enough or whatever. Like it's, it's really hard. And, and I, and I don't mean to make it seem like I think that everyone should be perfect. And I think that they have this incredible responsibility on their shoulders. In, In fact, quite the opposite. I think that it's just like dangerous to pose things as being so, um, I I I think that the context was given and then it was kind of like but forget about that <laughs> because let's forget about everything we know to be true yeah <laughs> about my experience and now let's just round it out with I'm fine now and everything's great and I'm enjoying moderation and here's me having cute margaritas with my friends yeah in Palm Springs you know mm-hmm. wow yeah there's just okay so here's what I'll say there's certain people that I look up to for my sobriety journey mm-hmm. and then there's certain people that I wouldn't look to for advice yeah that's just the way that it is agreed well I'm not on a sobriety journey but yeah I mean fucking man <laughs> two in the house basically you are <laughs> uh, we yeah. keep we keep a fucking dry house up in this bitch yeah <laughs> just kidding we we don't you know but yeah you could bring beer here for a party one time if you want it. It's fun. Yeah. It's, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not a rager up in the team too. No. <laughs> not often. That's for sure. 
We do partake in an awful lot of bubble baths as an alternative. When you said that, I was like, oh, so weird. That is what I use to wind down my days. I'm always up in the bath at the end of the night, whereas it used to be like eight to ten beers. PBRs, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, the PBRs. Okay, anyway, let's fucking let it die, man. Yeah, I, I, I would be interested, for those of you that watched it, I'd be interested to know what you guys thought and also what you guys think, Um, you know, celebrities responsibility is around all the things yeah we had more that we were going to talk about but then we just i kind of figured yeah we couldn't let it go yeah okay anyway Anyway. (laughs) goodbye